there and welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games and all that jazz that there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about The King's Man. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. Hello, hello, it's me. Yes, I'm, I'm here. Are you, are, you, uh, are you ready to talk about I'm, this crazy yeah. film? It is a crazy film. Are you going to put it as Kingsman is crazy? or? <laughs> I've actually put it as King, Kingsman is a pointless prequel oh. uh, for, for reasons that I'll I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it yeah we'll get into it yeah it's safe yeah. to say this is the like most wild film I've seen since Venom let there be carnage Venom, uh, Venom. yeah yeah it's crazy because Venom was insane like it was it had story great cast but this this is a lot crazier than oh man I expected yeah, I mean, not in a good way or bad way. I, I, we just don't know. It's just like <laughs> in the middle. It's just like, is, is this good? I was just sitting in the cinema, just like, am I watching the white film? This is called The King's Man. It, it's, it's so it's so strange that Kingsman: The Secret Service and this film are in the same universe because the first film was it was kind of goofy in places. Yeah, you know, it, it was. It, it knew how to make fun of itself, but this film just doesn't. It's relentless. Exactly. Like I can get why. Wait, we're going spoilers. We're going spoilers. Okay, just yeah. Full uh, spoilers. The film came out in December, and it's nearly the end of January. So. Yeah, it's been <laughs> yeah, so long. Man. The, the weird part. It, well, I can get why. Is that it was going to be like realistic in some parts. It mm. was like it's not going to be a comedy. The trailer showed it was going to be like a kind of comedy, didn't it? Like, well, yeah, there was, was. It was definitely showcasing all the comedic and action elements. Yeah, and also like there was enough like high tech weapons. You know, you know what I mean. Like in the Kingsman films, they kind of like yeah. show the, the craziest we- like, weapons, like Asian whiskey. He had like a electric. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Oh, like a uh, like a lasso. Yeah, yeah, lasso. Just like yeah, and just like using that, and it's like wow. That's, yeah, that second film is. Cool. I haven't yeah. watched it for so. I think the last time I saw the Golden Circle was at your house. Do you remember we? Yeah, we, we watched it. Yeah. Was that 2018? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah we watched yeah. it and we had pizza and it was it's it, it like it's the it is a crazy film, but I feel like this film is kind of even more insane in some ways. Yes. We'll talk about bad stuff like about about the film, like yeah. why it didn't really exceed our expectations for you know mm. what well, this I, I feel like gonna be. You're right in the sense that they definitely tried to do some really emotional they do. stuff. They I do. think the they best do. part of this film were the moments that it explored like real life historical devastating events like yes. the killing of Franz Ferdinand and like the stuff of Gavrilo Princep that was like really powerful I thought and the trenches yeah. the scenes in the trenches in my opinion were just so so amazing they, they, they yeah. held loads of I, atmosphere and this sense of danger and foreboding I think it made it really powerful yeah those were the stuff that I really like that gave like a sense of direction of what the history stuff like i remember like looking back at my gcse history and like oh i know it's stuff now like i've been watching yeah. the film and i was like oh yeah that's that's the three cousins you know what they were doing around in, in europe and <laughs> oh my god and, the three cousins oh wow, brilliant cousins. honestly like so i think the like just in general the villains in this film were insane like tom hollander playing like the three kings like like he, he's doing like his regular British thing that you see in like Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. and stuff, but he's also hamming it up as his crazy like German and Russian heads of state. It was 
Yeah. It was so wild. I didn't expect it because the trailers only really showed Rasputin. And yeah. we'll talk and about Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah, I thought Rasputin was going to be the main villain. Like, Me too. This film. I thought he was going to do some this ridiculous plan, like to, I don't know, control whole Europe or something, mm. like for World War One. Like, I don't know. But yeah, we'll talk about Westbury. But there was a really surprising cast that were there. Oh, I forgot the actor. He was in Falcon the Winter. He was at Seaman. Yeah, Daniel Brule. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Brule. Yeah, he was in there. I was like, wow, there he is. But I just didn't know what happened to him. Least one, I was like, oh. No, that there were so many villains. Yeah. And I feel like the 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 film in general it suffered from too many moving parts. You know, like. Daniel Brühl is a good example. And, and you know, the woman who seduces the US president, like yes. they don't get enough time at all. Exactly. But I guess they're just there quickly. Just like, okay, we'll just put it there. Just like that. Like it didn't give her like more time to know more about the villains because, you know, at yeah. the table, you know, at the beginning, they're giving out like rings. And yes. there could be like more time to find out like each villain. We didn't see like a lot of their, their signs, like what, what they represent. So... No, I think they're going to go, like, I don't know if you watched the post credit scene. Oh, I was too tired. I was just like... Right, okay. Well, Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that, like, towards the end. But okay, I okay. definitely think they're setting up for a sequel. And I'll, oh, I'll, explain, oh. that. I'll explain that later on. But it's, oh. it's, it's pretty crazy. But, like, I think in, ge- like, in general, what Matthew Vaughn... So you kind of see this in X-Men First Class, which yes. is probably, aside from Kick-Ass... It's probably Matthew Vaughn's best film. Uh, I did not know he directed First yeah, Class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did First Class. That is so different because aside from, you know, what he did in the different films. But this, yeah, First Class, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, in the, in right. the space of like five years, he made Kick-Ass, First Class and Kingsman 1. Which is like what? What a what? What a what a three film! Like like those are so good. Like what a what a first few films for a director to make, and they're all comic book films. And you know, in my opinion, I think Kickass is probably one of the greatest comic book films ever made. Mm. That's that's incredible to me that he made those three back to back. Yeah, that, that that is crazy. He definitely shows. You know, in First Class, he uses the Cuban Missile Crisis, and he integrates all of that really, really well. And I think he displays that same ability here. As I said, the strongest stuff, I think, is the historical stuff. And I think he weaves the characters into the road to World War One. I. I think he does yes. that really, really intelligently. Yeah, like how one small thing can lead to a massive thing, like, you know, the death yeah. of Franz Ferdinand, and then, mm. like, slowly chaos unfolds everywhere. There was a lot of history stuff, like, when I was learning about World War I. Was, yeah. yeah, I was, li- I was literally, it's funny, because I was watching an episode of Legends of Tomorrow, literally the other day, and they did the same thing, like, where they had, where they're, like, in 1914, at the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, and it, re- it really goes to show how much that one event triggered everything. And I think yeah. that... The film was struggling, in my opinion, up until that yeah. point. And as soon as they got to that bit, I was like, okay, now I know what this film is going to be. And I think yeah. I'm on board with that. It yeah. was showcasing all the best parts of, of First Class. Yeah, that was great. That was a, re- a really good bit. Like, you know, when Oxford, like, you know, has the narration over talking about war and then, mm. like, the first battle and then all the soldiers die. And then there's, like, a massive time lapse. When all the like the village is exploding in the distance, you know, we see that. And then all like all the ammunition comes up over a time lapse. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, like, yeah. All of that, like how destructive war is. And that's that's a great time lapse over that to show how everything escalates in a crazy short amount of time, you know, with like four years and 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, him as a character. I feel like this film, unfortunately, it wastes the talents yes. of half of its oh, cast. Fine. Exactly, was- Ray Fiennes. He should have lent into the split between charming, sweet-talking guy and, you know, this subdued, grief-stricken father who's worried for his son. He should have brought his grand budapest levels of of charm i feel like he's a very shallow character at the start he yeah like he will go like between scenes and be like you're not doing this and then the next scene be like okay yeah, fine, you're not you're doing, doing this. this go to russia <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly he's like we're not going to russia oh okay guys we're going to russia now it's like what okay what you like what so, yeah. did i miss something it yeah, fe- it, it felt it's... like it was cramming so much in. And I felt like there was a lot to take in. Like, well, after when Oxford's wife dies in that camp in South Africa. Oh, my God. That was such like, a horrible opening. Oh, my God. It was a weird start because we didn't know what was happening. Like, no. okay, he's going to Kitchener and then he's walking, walking, walking. And he's trying to talk about, oh, he's Red Cross. Yeah, Red Cross. Try to do that. Yeah. And boom. There was a sniper, and then it's like, oh, look after our son. It felt like the beginning of the first film, but yes. in the first film, you have Eggsy's mum being really grief-stricken about her husband dying. You can you can feel those emotions, and as good as an actor as Rafe Fiennes is, I don't think he sold that. I didn't feel the connection between him and his wife, and so the opening yeah. just felt really weird to me. Yeah, I just could not find any emotion. It was basically a poor man's opening from the first Kingsman. But I feel like that first Oh act, no, my wife. Oh, I'm... what am I going to do? The love of my life is dead. Oh no. Anyway, I'm showcasing I emotion. My son. my son, I must look after my son because of my wife. I mean, it was 12 years later. Like, 12 was. years later. I was like, huh? I do feel okay. like Conrad, I feel like he is one of the strongest characters and really is the emotional center of the film. I feel like in a similar way to the relationship between Eggsy and Harry in the first Kingsman film, Conrad being the, the, the force that grounds Oxford. And I think when Conrad dies, the changing character that we see with Oxford is, I think, I think it's really strong. And he, I think he, he carries the grief with him until the very end. And I feel like, you know, as I said, the trenches were such a good part of the film. And I feel like I didn't expect Conrad to die in the trenches at all. That was so unexpected. You know, when, you know, like, uh, you're not Scottish. You, that, that's not, that's British. That's, that's British. Yeah, exactly. Bro. No, that, you're not Scottish. You, 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 yeah. Have we, have we, have we learned nothing that we should not no. attempt accents on this show? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Scottish people listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are no. very sorry. We can't do Conrad's same Scottish accent. I swear, like, yeah, it, you can't do it. That whole sequence, you know, it was shocking, and that made me empathize with Oxford. Like that death that was, was the like, thing that made me feel for that character. I was like, wow, that's really emotional now I feel really you know empathy towards him mm. but at the, at the start there was nothing I was like oh exactly. yeah that's for the opening I'm like that's for a plot device you know for that mm. whole thing like I'm a pacifist and then later <laughs> on he's like oh I'm, I'm actually now. a secret government agent what like it was oh. really like mental like when they cut to him like interrogating Cavallo Princeship and like they reveal that he's actually like been a spy this whole time. It felt really out of the blue, even though I knew that it was a Kingsman film. It did kind it of did. feel like so abrupt. He sh- he didn't show any signs of being secretly this kind of suave guy until yeah. that moment. Yeah, and 
he was like, I go around and, and, and just do some stuff and try to stop people. And I have a massive data stuff for these two people that you know for your whole life. Yes, these, <laughs> these are the ones that you made them. And then they got the data and stuff. Oh my God, this is the best bit of the film. I was like, you know, you get you get thrown a lot of like books at you, but they just won't process enough because yeah. like, oh no. There's, there's just <laughs> so much going on. But I yeah. think the idea that the Kingsman comes from a network of servants I thought that was really cool. And that was yeah. actually kind of the best piece of knowledge that expands upon what we knew from before. I don't think this prequel does anything that changes the way I see the other films. The Kingsman forming with different characters from throughout the film, some really weird cameos like Stanley Tucci and yeah. Aaron Johnson. Like, why are, you, why are you guys here for two seconds? Stanley Tucci. He's there. Wait, <laughs> I feel like he is. He's definitely there. And he's, wow. he's he's an original part of the Kingsman, apparently. But like I never had these questions. I never I never needed to know how they were formed. And none no. of this makes me question the motives of the Kingsman or change what I know from the first two films. I don't think this adds to the experience of watching Kingsman one and two. It's not like the Star Wars prequels where it actively makes me think of the original trilogy differently. And I think that's in a good way. And I don't think that this film does that i don't think it justifies its, its existence yeah he's just to be like you know what you know watch watching the kingsman you understand like the history about you know the characters i mean this was kind of a good introduction to the round table like who mm. were oh yeah the people yeah that was that was good like you know understand that but itself the film just didn't really you know i mean there was a lot of like subtle hints about like you know what they were gonna say the oxford not bros mm. yeah this is something else and then like Manners maketh man at the end. We'll talk about that. Like, you heard that, you're like, oh, but I thought he was, you know, founded by that. How this was going to be formed, the Kingsman, you know, the whole idea of it. But I don't know. There's just something missing about it. It's not properly Kingsman. Yeah. The reveal at the end when they all give each other the code names and Shola walks in as the very first Merlin. It was, he looks so stupid. He's got like a little like jumper on and it's just. Like Mark in the original films, Mark Strong pulled that look off. But I'm sorry, but Jaiman Honsu, I I love you, but you don't, you didn't pull it off. And I feel like he was so wasted. Jaiman Honsu is in everything somehow, plays Korath in the MCU. He's in Shazam and Aquaman, and he just seems to pop up everywhere. But I feel like he's always wasted. And Shola could have been a really cool badass butler like Alfred in Gotham or in like many Batman things to be fair but he's just a boring side character he literally has two character traits fear of heights and loyalty to Oxford he's barely a character yeah and I just didn't see like the dynamic between Oxford and him as well like I couldn't see it. And there was not, like, a lot to show off, like, what makes him as an interesting character. He was just there for fighting, and that was it. That's all I can get. They didn't develop Oxford's relationship with Shola or Polly enough. I thought Gemma oh, Arterton yeah. was quite Polly. good as Polly. She was a grounding force for Oxford, and she was kind of cool in action. But she didn't, like, when she kisses Oxford, that came out of literally nowhere. I was like, yeah. what? Like, what? What did I miss? Like, did, like what? I like, they, had, they they barely developed their relationship to the point where where that felt like an earned moment. Yeah, very weird. And I was like, eh, did they had something years before? Like, it didn't really develop to understand 
early in the film, I could get like an idea like, oh, you know, when uh, Oxford said, you need to come into my study. I was like, oh, mm. he must be doing something weird. But no, he's like chilling and just giving her a drink and that's it. And yeah, but no, that kiss came out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, okay. So, oh yeah. And the weird thing is that there was no buildup. It was so weird. It didn't feel like a build-up, you know, like in spy films or something like that. You know, when the antagonists have like a master plan, like they're going to take <laughs> take over the world and uh, use like SIM cards to, you know, control people or use, um, I forgot the thing in No Time to Die. Yeah, that thing, you know. <laughs> the blood use... thing. Yes, the blood thing. Yes, thank you, Tom. And, uh, you know, You're with welcome. stuff like that. But no, it just felt empty. Like, oh, honestly, I do think the villains were loads of fun, but the main villain, oh my god, oh, oh, the reveal. Let me tell you, this is the worst. This is the worst plot twist thing that you can do in your life. Oh, that is so just lazy bad. writing. It Deadpool. was so lazy. The reveal. It was. It was embarrassingly obvious and stupid. Like this guy, we don't even really know. Is like, oh, yeah. this is the villain. Like, okay, like, cool. I don't care because I don't know this guy. Like, yeah, I don't it know was this guy. So I forgot about him. Like, yeah, when he died in that boat, like the Kitchener. Like, oh, you're alive. And then it was just like the most stupidest plot twist ever. I was just sitting there. Oh, could yeah, it be like it's like you know, you think about the first Kingsman when it's revealed. Spoilers when it's revealed that Arthur Michael Caine's character is actually working with. Valentine, that's an incredible reveal because yeah, you know, I did not expect we've, we've... that, and that's a great build up to you know have a have a plot twist like oh my god, exactly, he, it actually works, it actually yeah. works what he's doing. But it's no, like... what is this? What is this? It's, it's like, like we knew, uh-uh. we... you know, you remember that boat that I died in? And that's like I, I'm gonna say it in my British accent because I can't do Scottish. I'm sorry. Aha, uh-huh, you do remember that uh, boat that I died with Kitchener? It was not me. I, I I went away and went on the submarine and boom. I like dead. to kill goats or rams or whatever. Like it was in the first Kingsman. We got to know Arthur quite well. And, you know, Michael Caine is wonderfully likable as always. And then oh, that yeah. reveal, that quick reveal, you know, the eggs he realizes and the audience realizes before, you know, he twists. I think it was amazing. And the other Kingsman film, they had great actors playing the villains. You got Samuel L. Jackson and Julianne Moore, and they are both like really cool and they chew the scenery. But Matthew Good is the villain. I just thought he was so weak. They don't even show his face half the time. So you can't really even like see his acting. And you know what's the most annoying thing? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Matthew Good played Ozymandias in Watchmen. Where, where, where is all of that? He was a great villain in that film. Where is that? Wait, he presence? was Ozymandias. Yeah. In yeah, he doesn't even he doesn't even he doesn't he didn't even bring a fraction of the same gravitas I, I, to this role. I, I, oh my god, he went from the best villain to mm. the worst villain. Mm. What happened, Matthew Font? I just I really want to know. Okay, my brain is just like. <laughs> not working anymore because oh the, this actor it could have been so cool do you want to know the funny thing throughout the film i thought it was david tennant i thought it was david tennant <laughs> me too 
Wait, wait, really? Wait. Yeah, I thought it was David Tennant. I literally said to my dad halfway through, I was like, I think it's David Tennant. Yeah, I was thinking that, oh, it's David Tennant. It sounds like him. Bruh, it does. Like, if it was like somebody else throughout the film, I could have been like, yeah, that's great. Like if you had like something on like on his face or seeing mm. in it, like a villain potential, like to look him terrifying. But no, it was that Scottish guy. But that boat. It's that random boat, dude. Hey, have you, have you heard the rumours that David Tennant might be coming back as the 14th Doctor? Wait, wait. okay. That, yeah, that it's good, weird. But I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Weird. How about they just do, like, you could go back to the tent of reincarnation, and then I think you got if, the, if If the rumours are true, I think that's what they're, well, they're going to do. They're going to have him do what he does with Capaldi. You know, Capaldi becomes the guy from Rome and he has like this arc where it's all about this is I, I chose this face for a reason and I think they're going to do a similar thing yes um, but anyway it's, it's neither here nor there can we talk about Rasputin John please we need to oh my God, we must Rasputin. talk about Rasputin um yes we must talk about Rasputin now as we all thought that Rasputin was going to be the main villain of this film it was a better villain than that bloody Scottish I, guy. I loved Rasputin, man. It just makes me he even more... Quite, he was a quiet character in this film. Like, it, honestly... It makes me even more upset that Risa Farns wasn't in No Way Home, like, properly, because uh. this guy can bring a performance. He was so batshit crazy, and, like, at times it does go a bit too far into the realm of stupidity, but my God, it was literally the most fun thing ever. And every time I think about it, I just, that alone made this film worth it. Yeah. Seeing Rasputin. Yeah. That, that's so cool. You know what they did with some of the stuff. It was crazy what this whole Rasputin section was. <laughs> they go to uh, Russia and the dinner table, when he's just talking about, he's like, we Russians <laughs> love to fuck. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure. Cool. I was like sitting so... in the chair. I was like, wow, wow. It's... <laughs> He's, like, he's uh, so weirdly sexual, man. And yeah. then he's like healing Oxford's leg and like blowing on <laughs> it. It's, it's like, are they supposed, it's, it was so weirdly sexual. Like, were they supposed to like, was it supposed to look like he's just giving Oxford a blowjob? Like, it was oh so God, weird. Oh God, oh God. I keep it safe for what? Uh... And then, <laughs> and... and then he projectile vomits everywhere. It was just insane. Because he detected cyanide in his stomach. Yeah. Like, aha, you know that cake? That I can't, I, I can't watch that. Ah, the way that cake? Ah, that the cake. way that he eats the cake as well. He properly goes for it. He properly like chomps on it. And I felt like, like I was high bro, in the cinema. I was so confused. Of, that's like mostly where the cyanide is like in that cake and then he just survives mm. it like ah that was not right with my stomachs and then he's like ah your leg is healed and then <laughs> and he he actually heals his leg as well like <laughs> he actually heals it like what the hell hey, he's hey, like, now we must go inside the, the freezing cold <laughs> lake it's like what <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> oh my god matthew vaughn uh, he, he found a hand-to-hand action style and he, he you know he perfected it in the kingsman films like everybody yeah. loves the sequence in the church in the first kingsman film and oh. every since every since then you know he takes it further and further and i have to say the fight with rasputin and shola with the music mad. oh my was god mad. it was it was just the like Rasputin spinning around while Moon's like, no, 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 I was just like, what's going on? I was like, I was trying to come in everything, but my brain was about to die from watching like how Rasputin's like 
you know, dodging all of these, like, while, like, like dancing like a ballerina or something, like, you he know. He was, like, he was, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, what he was doing. And then the crazy thing is that he was, he was getting stabbed, but that didn't affect him at all. Like, when uh, Conrad and Oxford are, like, about to stab him, you know, like, two sides, you know, like, he's holding on, and then he's getting stabbed, but then he's, like, just completely just putting them off and then just, like, tries to get out. And then he finally gets stabbed in the heart. And it was like, oh, that's over. But then Rasputin comes up and like, like a zombie and so like comes back. <laughs> do you want to like, know? Oh. Do you want to know something really weird about that? Oh no! In real Tell life, me. Rasputin was like an actual like monk that people thought could like do miracles. And I promise uh, you, in real uh, life, he was poisoned, drowned, stabbed, and shot. All of those things happened, and he didn't die until getting shot at the end. Like that actually is what head. happened in real life. That is insane. I like. Okay, that's like, attention to detail. That's, that's attention, attention to detail, detail right there. there. That is great. That is great. Okay, that, I can give a point to Matthew Vaughn for that. Well done, Kingsman. Well done. Ten out of ten. But no, that's in a short amount of time. That's great amount of detail. Like you know yeah. what he was doing, like getting stabbed, you know, poisoned. Wow, Rasputin just lived a very weird life. I guess. Yeah, he did. <laughs> And then they had that whole thing, like, where he glides across the room as well. Oh. And, and Oxford was like, I see you have perfected the glide. And it's like, what? what? What's happening? It was insane. Oh, I wish there was, like, more scenes of that. Like, that was great, you know. Yeah, what? exactly. It's like, you know, the, the Russia sequence lasted, what, 20 minutes at the very most? And the film's about one hour, 10 minutes. Two hours, 10 minutes, sorry. I, oh, I, I just I think that... Say, like, oh, my yeah, God, that film was very long. Yeah. No, it just didn't justify itself. Like sequences like the Russia sequence were great. And the trenches, those were like the standout bits for different reasons. One of them being really emotionally harrowing. One of them being batshit crazy. But I just don't feel like none of it really justified itself. But oh my God, the, the, the stuff in Russia, it's the stuff of dreams. It's the stuff of, of spice dreams. It was it was crazy. I loved it so much. Did you see that the YouTube channel of the King's Man? They did the song Rasputin while Rasputin was in that fight scene. What? Ra uh, Rasputin? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, you know what? Yeah. That scene, that fight scene is on YouTube. So everyone, I swear, if you haven't seen the King's Man, you don't just watch, just Google like for the, the Kingsman Rasputin fight scene. I watched it again last night. It's just so much fun. It's just so, it so, so crazy. I, I can't, uh, I can't believe it. It's great. Um, yeah. Now I do want to talk about the post credit scene. So, right. I'll, ex I'll explain it to you now. Okay. So Daniel Brühl's character, he introduces the person who's going to take over the Russian sector. And he's like, ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna bring Russia back to its former glory. And I've got is someone to help. Uh, no, it's not Stalin. I don't think it is anyway. Oh. It might be. I don't. I don't know. And he's like, I have somebody here who's gonna become really important. And he's like, oh, who are you? And it cuts to the guy, and he's like, hi, I'm Hitler. It's Hitler. They literally bring in Hitler at the end. Bloody Hitler, John. It was not Hitler. <laughs> Hitler. It was actually like genuinely really terrifying to see him. It's an example of historical elements hitting really hard. The actor they got, uh, obviously he doesn't have the mustache and the hair yet, but the actor they got was actually pretty spooky and seeing him, it kind of sent, sent shivers down my spine. And you know, if they make a sequel to this, 
I genuinely don't know how I feel about making Hitler like a goofy Kingsman villain. Similarly to all the historical stuff in the trenches, Hitler did horrific things. And the way that I see it, it needs more emotional weight than jokey villains they usually go for. But, you know, they make jokes out of Hitler and stuff like Jojo Rabbit. So maybe it would work. I don't know. Maybe I need to see it to believe it. I mean, what do you think? Do you think they should make Kingsman 2? Oh, that's going to be pretty hard for them because, with Kingsman, with, With Hitler as the villain? There needs to be a balance because Hitler, as you said, he did horrible stuff like in uh-huh. in the war and did anti-semitic things as well and like and as well this is the kingsman universe this has got to have like goofy villains so like what Rasputin? like hell they just did something with Rasputin, and that was like crazy but they need to work on that villain thing like a yeah. whole villain for that that was weird in the kingsman like there was no nothing goofiness. Like we need to like Valentine. Ah, oh, I forgot her name in the Kingsman Golden Circle. Poppy. Poppy. There you go. Poppy. Yeah. And like those like other like the goofy kind of characters, like the villains, like they create this terrifying thing. You know like mm. what they did towards the people? Like Poppy just threw one of the people into the mind uh, uh, machine and then turned. Oh, into she did the the, the mincer. Yeah. 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 That was weird. And it's terrifying. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Poppy and Valentine aren't like this. But all the other villains are really good fighters. Like even in this film, you have Oxford fighting the main villain with like like they're fencing each other. And it, you know, all the action in this film is, is really, really good. As I said, Matthew Vaughn is really good at doing action, but are they gonna make Hitler like a fighter? Like a really yeah, good duelist? Like that doesn't that doesn't seem right to me. That feels like no. to me, he doesn't seem like somebody who's really that kind of like got that much power, you know, physically. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, just feel like- what would be the point of making a Kingsman 2? Like let's say that they make Kingsman 2 and it's set in World War II. Whether it be the same characters or, or like, you know, the next generation of Kingsmen, what are we bringing to the franchise? I don't know. I just don't know what would, why we're spending so much time on this franchise. The first one was good. The second one was fun. But after that, I, you know, I feel like we're just going too far in some places. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a lot. Like, uh, Second World War. Like, how are they going to do with everything that's going to happen? And there's so many different angles you can take in World War II, you know. I guess it would be from the British perspective. But even so... You know, there are so many different countries involved. You know, you, you know, you could delve into the nuclear side of it or even the Holocaust or, you know, like the actual like battles on the ground or in the air. There's so many different places they can take it. But I, I think that I just don't know what it would bring to the franchise as a whole. Yeah, that's going to be really hard for them. Like, how are they going to work that through and like not? Be... I don't know. I, th- I think they are getting, they are making a sequel. So I guess we'll just have to find out. Um, well, how's the box office doing for them? Like, Oh, I don't know. Um, I'll have a look now. Obviously, it opened very soon after Spider-Man. So worldwide, 106 million. Not amazing. Decent? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the what the budget is 106 million that's like that could be considered a bomb depending on what you're looking at so yeah look for the budget yeah looking for the budget okay apparently the budget is 100 million basically the rules are so oh god no (laughs) that's not good no so for any those of you don't know the rules are basically whatever the budget is for a film you got to double that to include marketing so if the Kingsman is 100 million, then it's basically 200 million because of the marketing, maybe even more because it was delayed so many times. And so if it only makes 106 million, it hasn't even broken even. To break even, you've got to make double the budget. So they would have to earn 400 million to break even. So they might not make a sequel. I don't know if, if that's their plan. Yeah, so I think Matthew Vaughn wants to make a sequel to, uh, to the Kingsman, which makes sense to me. 
Wow. I guess we'll just watch this space, I guess. Uh, that's all I have to say. Do you have anything else to, to add? This was uh, an unexpected film. I was watching at 9 o'clock till 11, and I was just tired. I was like... Really? Yeah, I was like, wow, wow. this film is... Uh, I just, I was just like going through the cinema like, haha, West Wheaton. <laughs> and, I watched uh, it. I did, a, I did a triple bill at the cinema. I watched The Kingsman, and then I watched The Matrix Resurrections, and then I watched Belfast. And honestly, I've never seen three films that are so different from each other. And I was so unprepared for that. I really thought The Kingsman was going to be completely worthless and bad. It wasn't worthless. It was pointless. It wasn't worthless. But it, it was just, it was crazy. I, you know, I can't call this film bad. Yeah, it's very mixed, isn't it? Mm, like, 100%. This might be one of those conflicting films like, oh, it's, it's so bad with the, like, with the villain, but, but also there was some good stuff. Like, was Rasputin. Rasputin. <laughs> So what do you think you give it out of 10? I don't know. This is really hard. Okay, six. I'm going to say six. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, I think I'd say five. I think there's about as much that I like that I didn't like. But honestly... Okay, I'm going to say five. I'm going to say five. I yeah. feel 50-50. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Honestly, yeah. Matthew Vaughn, he needs to direct something else now, please. You know, his, yeah, his name like, has been like... thrown around for a Superman film or a Bond film or just anything else, you know, he hasn't directed a film that isn't a Kingsman film since 2011, which is over 10 years. And I want to see him do something different. You know, as I said, he's made some amazing films, you know, X-Men First Class, Kick-Ass. And I want to see him do something different, but you know, he's doing Kingsman 3 and maybe a second Kingsman. And, you know, he's even rebooting Kick-Ass. So I don't think he's going to do anything different Wait, anytime soon. Rebooting Kickass. Yeah, he's going to make he's going to reboot Kickass. Why? I don't know. Don't ask me. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. But yeah, like it's like James Cameron hasn't made a film that isn't Avatar since Titanic. Avatar. Maybe. <laughs> and, and and now he's making like six Avatar films in a row. And and, and Matthew Vaughn is is just making Kingsman films over and over again. I want to see him do something different. I don't, I don't, if they do set a sequel in World War II, I kind of doubt that it will be Oxford again. Because let's, let's think about it. He's what? He's in his 50s? Maybe in his late 40s, something like that. Maybe even early 60s. And he's going to be in his 80s or like his 70s when World War II begins. So I don't think that they should do that. But who knows? Well, if they do, we'll definitely cover it here on the podcast thank you everyone for watching and listening if you enjoyed it give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing if you want to see more next week we're going to be talking about the best batman stories reach we're going to talk about some of our favorite batman yeah, stories before the batman oh yes uh, it's exciting times okay we got very we got some exciting stories to come back to from games comic books definitely uh films or anything like that you know the very best but yeah so yeah keep stay tuned if you want to see that and you can look at any of our old videos last week we did films dream by expectations we recently did the matrix and loads of stuff so you can check all that out and you can follow us on twitter or instagram at Time film pod or you can email us with your thoughts on the kingsman or anything uh, that we've talked about or anything that you want us to talk about and we will answer on the podcast if you email us at our at gmail.com uh, we love it every time that happens once in a blue moon um but yeah that's everything um yeah take us out then oh yeah get vaccinated wear your masks mm-hmm. oh yes um, get double jab no not double jab oh, yeah, get, of course you do get double jab triple uh, jabbed um, okay take what you're given give nothing back goodbye goodbye